0: The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Healer to the Heroes, Apprenticeship. In the wake of new legal action-limiting superhero activity, a rebellious new doc gets fed up with the red tape that hurts his patient care and joins forces with a grouchy older physician to provide underground health care to illegal heroes. Welcome to our drama podcast. Mmm. Episode one. I became the superhero's doctor the evening of the day. I decided to quit my job. That morning, the sunshine in the oak trees seemed pale and colorless, even reflected off my deep red roof. I trudged through my creaky door, almost blind with grogginess. I really hadn't slept because Julian's unexplained fever kept cycling through my brain. Kid's mother had begged all week for me to test him for chikungunya. I'd get the test back in a day or two, but this didn't feel like a tropical disease. The department chief really wasn't feeling it when he caught me during my rounds that morning. Dr. Pfeiffer, this test costs more than several days of standard treatment, he hissed in my ear. A nearby nurse turned her head. The chief patted my back. Let's talk mentorship, he smiled. But his claw dug into my shoulder as he pushed me down the hallway to his office, holding me close as if we liked each other. He navigated me around medication pushcarts and shuffling ivy-pull-bound geriatrics with the expertise of a rickshaw driver in a crowded outdoor fish market. Uh, With all due respect, sir, which was none, after the way I heard him talk about his mental health patients, Julian did just return from Puerto Rico, and Mrs. Acevedo has been asking me about the tucungunya angle for a week. Mrs. Acevedo, the chief threw his hands in the air. There's your problem, Romeo. The patient's mother isn't the doctor. No, but she knows her own son. I could feel the heat building in my forehead. Aside from the psychological benefits of comforting the family if it comes back negative, the test gives me something to bring to the infectious disease specialist. Oh, come off it. A positive antibody test for an incurable tropical virus will hardly change the treatment plan for a fool like this. Maybe not traditional supportive treatment, sir, but if ID has any new research or special information, this will point them down the right trail. And I checked, so you don't have to worry. Insurance will cover it. I flashed that disgusting, perfect smile that made me the advertisement-quality face med schools loved and I hated. I'm not sold on the diagnosis either, but Julian's got the joint pain and the exposure history and the fever's not going anywhere. I'm following the evidence. My smile infuriated the man. I will not argue this with you. He lowered his voice and snapped, his jaws shaking as spit flew. "'I have told you before, when you hear hooves, it's horses, not zebras. You single-handedly cost the hospital more intestine treatments than any other physician in the department, and—' "'My patient results speak for themselves, sir.' "'Your patient results don't employ you. This hospital employs you.' The claw tightened as he drew me into his side, almost embracing me in his whisper. "'Your unprofessional shenanigans—' The lecture faded into the background, not because I didn't care, but because across the hallway a woman stood staring at us. She didn't bother hiding it. She planted herself wide-legged, feet-shoulder-width apart like she might need to fight someone with both hands in the pockets of her heavy green cargo pants. Not a sexy stare or anything like that. The lady had at least ten years on me, and not an accusing stare. She just... watched. (sighs) I didn't have time for this. Sir, I still have patients to round on. If I don't catch the orthopedist this a.m. about Mr. Lassiter's hypertension medication, that can wait. You need... Dr. Pfeiffer! Oh, Dr. Es Urgente! Please come quickly! Mrs. Acevedo dashed to my elbow, her colorful bangles tingling like bells on her wrist. Thank God. Thank actual God, she came through. Mrs. Acevedo, if you'll just give us a moment. The department chief tried to hush her, maybe sensing our ruse, but... Patient care comes first, Dr. Sandman," I quoted, and with a chummy salute I escaped his clutches. The older woman had no emergency. She had been paying attention the last week while her son tossed and turned on that hospital bed, and she knew who was on her side, and who needed a rescue in order to finish patient rounds in the morning. But that day I didn't finish my patient rounds. First, admin kept interrupting me because the pharmacist wouldn't fill Mrs. Ben's outpatient pregabalin for her pain because the insurance wants her to try gabapentin first, even though that's way more likely to make her dizzy and fall right at the 90%. Oh, you didn't know that 90% of nursing home octogenarians who suffer falls die within the next year? Neither did the pharmacist, who kept fighting me, or the MSA, who refused to fill out the prior for me to sign so I could see patients while we got the insurance issue fixed. What were the MSA's words exactly? Oh, right. Not my job. Paperwork isn't beneath you because you're a physician. But in the meantime, while she wouldn't help me, I had to admit my new homeless gentleman for painful cellulitis without triggering his opioid addiction. Mrs. Benz still needed that pregabalin, and I just couldn't... (sighs) Meanwhile, the nurse down in the ER stole my notes from under my computer, because she was freaking out about the Quality Control Committee coming down later this month, and wanted to teach me in advance not to leave patient information out in the room. Even hidden patient information, unfortunately... Apparently. And finally, one of the regulars from my outpatient clinic coded. When the Red Cross volunteer didn't give deep enough chest compressions, I gently elbowed her out of the way. Mr. Washington survived a war and two car accidents, and I wasn't about to let two inches kill him now. We saved him. And that should have been it. But the little volunteer complained I didn't give her enough heads up, and HR pulled me for two hours to decide whether or not I need extra team steps, Recommunication Retraining. When I finally escaped that meeting, the pharmacy was closed, and Mrs. Benz couldn't pick up her pain medication. The orthopedist had already left for the night without talking to me about Mr. Lassiter's hypertension, which could complicate his upcoming orthopedic surgery. And the department chief had written an order behind my back to discharge Julian Acevedo without further workup. I hurled my white coat in the trash so hard the bin spilled. It rolled in the quiet hallway with a rhythmic crumble, rocking back and forth before it stilled. The automatic doors out to the parking garage opened with my proximity and a sharp wind rushed at me as I stared at a soda puddle soaking through my discarded collar like blood. This wasn't one bad day. This was one day after many. And I was done. Mm -hmm. Stars peeped past the light pollution of my city as the breeze carried my cigarette smoke to the heavens. My legs angled over the edge of the parking garage roof, and I sighed. A discarded newspaper rustled behind me, flaunting greasy oil stains. Crying shame, ain't it? said a gravelly voice behind me. I startled, but I was too tired to turn around. I don't have any cash on me, I said. The thick-heeled bootsteps clunked behind me. I heard a crisp crinkle as someone picked up the discarded newspaper. Supreme Court just ruled superheroes aren't covered by the Good Samaritan Laws she said. I stared straight ahead, still following my cigarette smoke into the sky. The corner of my right eye caught the middle-aged woman walking up to lean on the cement ledge behind me. She rested beside me. Hey, it was the woman in the cargo pants, the one watching me earlier. I didn't let on that I recognized her. That can't be right, I said. Why not? She handed me the paper. If you're officially looking for trouble, it doesn't count. It falls under vigilantism then. "'So you can only help people by accident? Give me a break,' I grumbled. I knocked the glowing edge of my little cancer stick against the cement. The breeze pushed back her long, wavy hair, mixing the strands of gray into the black and blonde-like marbled featherwork, and revealing a long scar crossing her left eye. It looked burnt, with edges like an old laceration. No one spoke for a few minutes.' We sat in the growing darkness, listening to the whispering breeze. I could smell the taco truck and the takoyaki stand as they followed each other around the corner to go home for the evening. I normally don't like silences, but I was tired, and something in the way the woman's shoulders slouched felt calming. "'Did you already submit your resignation letter?' she asked. "'That'll be in tonight,' I said. For some reason it didn't bother me that she knew my business, along with texts to every physician and administrator in my chain before morning.' I'm sure they'll find some way to get me for patient abandonment otherwise. "'That seems unlikely,' she said. "'Your patients are fine.' "'Eh. Cigarette?' I offered without looking away from the skyline. Her weathered hand pushed mine away. I stiffened. "'I don't like being touched. I do the touching.' "'Julian still needs further workup,' the woman said. "'You think?' Heat surged into my forehead, and now I did turn, angry. The head of an otoscope stuck out from her grey-green jacket pocket." A physician, maybe. What do you want? I'm not talking patient information with a stranger. She snorted, then laughed, turning her back now on the city to lean against the cement rail and look up into the night sky. You think you've got secrets? Her face snapped around to face mine, and her tone sterned up. Are you serious about hunting zebras, short stuff? Excuse me? She was the height of my chest, if I slouched, maybe. I narrowed my eyes, turned off now by the age-brushed arrogance. It reminded me of the department chief. What's that supposed to mean? Hm. She looked me up and down as if changing her mind about her question, then turned away with a scathing sigh. She checked her phone and eased herself upright to leave. I'm the best zebra hunter in the profession, I blurted suddenly. I come up with diagnoses that don't even exist yet. She looked back up at me and I immediately felt stupid. Uh, good for you then, she said. She looked harder at my face. Oh, oh, that. She repeated the grunt and the scathing look that dissolved them. That wasn't about you, short stuff. I'm judging me, not you. Then she put away her phone and offered me a handshake. Wait, excuse me? What's this? Dr. Romeo J. Pfeiffer, the woman recited my name like Miranda, writes, you did a combined residency in internal medicine and pediatrics top of your class is stanford but not much of a ladder climber you took this job just because it's near your button cute little red roofed house where you spend what little free time you have playing stardew valley like a 10 year old girl i bristled this woman was not hating on the best farming strategy game since harvest moon she went on hand still out you hold your department nay your hospital's record for most expensive hospital stay and most unnecessary tests And yet you've never had a negative patient comment. Not during medical school, not through residency, not even when the illness wins, because at the end of every case, there is no question in anyone's mind that you tried everything as if you were the one on the bed. Her eyes softened for a moment, then she smirked. And if a patient dies, your electricity bill skyrockets and your steam gaming achievements stack up overnight. Everyone grieves differently, I coughed. Her hand remained outstretched. Her shoulders squared and the wrinkles around the corners of her mouth hung grim daring and expecting me to shake and not at all impressed with me i knew i was supposed to be afraid of her stalking but i really didn't care the slope of her shoulders said she didn't plan on harming me if that makes sense i was more angry than anything i felt she didn't believe in me and i wanted to prove her wrong but now i clearly saw something glowing in her palm i opened my mouth to laugh to back off with an i don't think so but she called my kryptonite julia needs you to come with me she said the grasp of her withered hand was like a vice mm-hmm. we stood suddenly in an office full of textbooks. Textbooks stacked up to my height along the walls from the floor. Veterinary textbooks, old, withered textbooks, multiple editions of the same textbook. I didn't have time to wonder how she'd transported us instantaneously like that, or if she'd drugged me. The psychologists call it radical acceptance. I knew she'd tell me eventually, and I can compartmentalize. Because patient care comes first, on an old army green stretcher suspended on two workbench sawhorses, lay Julian Acevedo, sweat still beating from his forehead with that raging fever, a liter bag of an IV saline drip hung above him. "'Hey, Julian, I'm back,' the woman puttered around to the teenager's head so he could see her, and he nodded. "'Dr. Pfeiffer here is going to help me carry you to our safe room, okay?' "'Blank,' Julian muttered. I could hear my heart rate in my ears. He's gotten worse since discharge mm-hmm It sounded so dismissive but I understood she was in the zone she drew a pen from her chest pocket bit off the lid and scribbled the time on the tape on Julian's forearm a handheld thermometer from one of her cargo pockets gave her a temp oh you're just having the same problem ours did I said the machine read 60 degrees Celsius which is biologically impossible she looked at me still bent over Julian and without changing her expression she wrote 60 Celsius on the tape Wait, why would you take that reading? I asked, but she motioned for me to pick up the stretcher by Julian's feet. One, two, three, lift, she said, straight out that door. The door's weathered wood looked like something from a video game about the apocalypse. Heck, by the dim lamplight with the carved desk and green leather chair, the whole room seemed like the office of a steampunk Sherlock Holmes minutes before zombies arrive. I shifted Julian's weight, opened the door, and blinked. Hurry up, said doctor Mysterious, but my brain had blinked out. The new room in front of us looked like the inside of a spaceship, white and smooth, like a giant MRI machine without a single sharp edge or corner. A giant liquid tank in the corner bubbled like a back to bath from Star Wars. The contrast from the room behind me and then again from the parking garage I just left, made me dizzy. Go straight one over, she ordered. My loafers squeaked on the perfect shining floor as we crossed it. What was this space room for? The next room looked like a bunker. Nothing flammable, everything iron or cement. Delicate pastel nature murals on the walls struggled to lessen the grim effect. It was set up like a surgical suite, but the cement bed in the center of the room looked more like a sacrificial altar. I glanced at the woman's wrinkled hands on the stretcher behind me, and eyed the pocket knife suspended on the chain around her neck. I played too many horror games, I realized suddenly. All right, Julian, we're just going to set you down on this bed. Not comfy, but not flammable, right? She nodded at me, and we gingerly laid him down. Neither of us needed to talk. Instead, she spoke to Julian, walking him through the steps to give me orders through subtext. We automatically stabilized his position, rolled the stretcher out from underneath. We'd both done this a hundred thousand times at least. When was your last dose of ibuprofen or Tylenol? At the hospital, he murmured. He was discharged at 2 p.m., I said. "'How often was the dose?' she asked. "'Standard, every six and every eight. I answered, "'but he spiked a fever every eight hours while hospitalized on the clock despite the antipyretics.' "'Antipyretics. Ain't that an ironic name?' she said. "'Anti-fire's what that means, literally, Julian.' The teen smiled. I didn't get the joke. "'Those viral cultures ever come back to you, Dr. Pfeiffer?' Dr. Mystery asked, checking her watch. "'Oh, look at that. We better talk about this outside.' "'Julian, I think the antipyretics have worn off.' "'I think so, too,' he said, groaning now. "'Get out.' "'Get out?' I asked. "'Get out,' she said, grabbing the stretcher and shoving me through the heavy door with it. She leapt behind me, slammed the door with a resounding boom. "'Was that fire?' The vault door glowed. Flabbergasted, I reached to touch it and couldn't. The heat repelled me. I heard the roaring of an enormous furnace on the other side. I was struggling not to show surprise.' force of habit you have to look calm it's the years of training they will eat you alive if you don't have the same pleasant face all the time the moment they see you're anxious or shocked or scared or dumbfounded the other physicians will pounce but at that moment as dr. mysterious pulled back a panel of cement to show me through a tempered glass window that my patient was vomiting flames and not just a little or metaphorically but literal flame enough to fill the entire room with blue and yellow enough to send heat waves through the tempered glass and make me sweat at that moment, I had trouble pretending to be in control. Flame capables are more susceptible to certain viral infections because of the increased permeability of almost every membrane in their bodies," said Doctor Mysterious. Bradykinins, right? Essentially, open pores in the vasculature. The human pyrokinins, or pyrokinins, that promote epithelial combustion do the same thing to promote heat release. I ignored the fact that pyrokinins sounded absolutely made up. Shouldn't an increased basal body temperature purge microbial threats? And what about pH regulation from the immune system? I mean, I imagine you'd be more acidic if you were... I nodded towards the window. Hey, should we be out here talking? He looks... She was already climbing into a welder's helmet and what looked like a very, very heavy hazmat or firefighter suit. He's stable. Your boss is a D-bag, but Julian is stable. So why are you... I nodded towards her getup. Just in case, she smiled. Just in case. The next morning found me, a resignation letter unwritten, marching through my hospital's gray tiled hallway to the office of the infectious disease specialist. I caught sight of my department chief, Dr. Sandman, standing outside the door where I always started my rounds every morning, watching his wristband. With a little whistle, I whirled and took the stairs. Not today, Satan. Mama can't know, Julian had said yesterday, fever broken after his fire vomiting explosion. She can't keep a secret, and my enemies will find her. I am glad they let me out of the hospital. I didn't think I could sneak out the window another time. But I came here to see Dr. Blank as soon as I could. So your department chief may be a D-bag, but at least your inpatient ward isn't on fire, Blank had summarized. Blank, apparently, was the grumpy doctor's name, not a delirious randomness from Julian's fevered brain. We're lucky the old man discharged Julian early. I don't think he did that for Julian's benefit, I scowled. Oh, of course not, she'd said, and he's firmly against superhero rights. I wouldn't trust him further than I can choke. him." I didn't ask her what she meant by superhero rights. I personally didn't support weirdos taking the streets to beat up marijuana users, but I did think people who patrolled looking for injured people should get coverage under the Good Samaritan laws. Julian or Fuego in costume, used disability to pull people out of burning buildings and protect drunk young ladies on their evening walks home. So, some guy tries to grab butt, and you what, you light him on fire? I asked. It is more nuanced than that. Julian had a full-toothed model smile like mine and a smoothness behind his accent. Julian's quite the charmer, Blank had said. I'm sure you can find his exploits online if you're curious, but we need to ask you a favor. Now, outside the Infectious Disease Specialist's office, I rocked back and forth on my heels, deepening the crease in my leather loafers as I checked my phone. A Google search for Fuegom found me a few blurry YouTube videos, mostly in Spanish, which I didn't understand, and a Facebook page crowded with thirsty teenage girls. Hmm. In this age group, we often considered STDs as a possible cause for joint infection. If what Dr. Blank said about permeability was true, then maybe Julian would be more susceptible to a polyjoint infection. He'd had no clinical signs of true septic arthritis, though. No swelling, no erythema. I'd still bet on viral. Hi there. How can I help you? The tall, shul- square-shouldered, infectious disease specialist peered out from his office at me now. Hi there, Dr. Snow. His name had always seemed ironic to me. I'm not light-skinned myself, but this man's skin reflected light like obsidian. Can I curbside you real quick? Sure. I've got a 17-year-old male who just returned from 6 months in Puerto Rico and the day of his return spiked a fever to 103. For the last 3 weeks he said cycling fevers and a gradually worsening polyarthralgias. An elderly aunt passed away recently from complications after chikungunya virus, likely more attributable to her chronic heart failure. What's the question, Snow asked? I have two questions, please bear with me for the second one. I had a nervous, swishing feeling in my esophagus that I hadn't felt during curbside presentations since intern year. First, if his blood work comes back positive for chikungunya, is there any new treatment I should know about? I read somewhere something about steroid use to prevent future joint damage. Mm, I'd stay away from that. That and NSAIDs. It's an arbovirus like dengue, so you don't want anything that increases endothelial permeability. Dengue is also endemic to Puerto Rico, by the way. Uh, uh uh-oh. Julian had been using ibuprofen heavily since before the hospitalization, and since he was admitted under fever of unknown origin, we'd continued it. Well, that leads into my next question, I said. If I had a patient with an extremely rare genetic disorder that caused hyperpermeability and overheating, what else should I... I felt like the kid in class asking for an answer to the problem instead of working it out himself. Are there any opportunistic infections specific to a hyperpermeable state that I should be thinking about? We have negative blood cultures, no clear source, elevated lymphocytes without leukocytosis, and no real evidence of end-organ dysfunction. Why are you thinking chikungunya? Dr. Snow asked. Well, besides the exposure history, the polyarthralgias. No joint swelling, no rash. I shook my head. Depending on the strain, most patients with chikungunya have one of those. To tell you the truth, though, multiple viruses, even in terraviruses, can cause self-limiting arthralgias. You may be on the right track, but I'm not sure I can help without more detail. Actually, you've been extremely helpful, I said, my head buzzing. I needed to get back to blank ASAP. Thank you, Dr. Snow. Please, call me Mason. We shook hands and I smiled. My favorite thing about a huge hospital like this, hands down, was access to the specialists. So many brains. An image of myself as a zombie in a white coat wandering the halls for specialist brains flashed into my mind. Yeah, I'd played too many horror games lately. Maybe my imagination couldn't help it because now, to avoid any admin interruptions, I was sneaking through the back hallways of the hospital, through the janitorial corridors and the shaky metallic access paths where surgical techs carry carts up and down creaking elevators to the bloody operating rooms. Lots of smiles and waving back here, though. The janitors, the techs, the medics, all the people the other doctors didn't see knew me well. I was proud of that. Maybe my pride was wrong. Maybe it showed how little I actually cared. Like the surgeon I once watched openly praise himself for mingling with, quote-unquote, the little people. Oh, I hated that guy. I never wanted to be like that. And for the same reason, I hated my own face. It scowled back at me now in the glass door out to the parking garage perfect thick hair, perfect parted lips, and perfect Invisalign ad teeth. Generically handsome, ethnically ambiguous faces like mine sold everything and anything from needed colonoscopies to unnecessary snake oil prescriptions. People trusted faces like mine without thinking. Don't look so unhappy to see me, blank grinned, opening the door. What you got, If we think this is a mosquito-borne virus from Puerto Rico, we need to stop the NSAID use ASAP. The arboviruses increase endothelial permeability. Mmm! Blank exclaimed with her mouth full of donut. which he's already got elevated. I nodded with a bit of a wince. He's at a risk for mucosal bleed, honestly, Dr. Blank. Dr. Blank's eyes widened. Crap! Crap what? She began to run away from me across the parking garage. "'He insisted on meeting his nemesis for something today. "'I gotta stop him before he ends up vomiting blood.' "'I chased. "'Wait, can't you text or something? "'He doesn't bring a phone or ID.' "'She climbed into an ugly green jeep and slammed the door. "'Safety measure.' "'That sounds like the opposite of a safety measure,' "'I said, running around to the other side. "'Legal safety measure.' "'She paused. "'What do you think you're doing?' "'I blinked. "'Coming with you?' Mm "'Mm-mm.' Dr. Donutmouth shook her head, buckling her seatbelt and starting the engine. You still have rounds here in the hospital. I don't care, I want to help you. She turned fierce gray eyes on me. You can help by not losing your job, so that I can use your network of specialists when a runaway android breaks both of Julian's legs. I had a split second. I could leap over the side of the Jeep and insist, and she wouldn't have time to argue with me. In the video game version, where the story happens in the action... I probably forced the issue, and we rescued Fuego in hand-to-hand combat against a laser-shooting supervillain while explosions lit up the curve of my jawline, and maybe her hair caught on fire. But in real life, especially medical life, well, sometimes the story happens in the non-action. The story happens in non-action. Oh, that was it. Text me your number. There's more. I whacked her door and stepped away from her car. She nodded and drove off. Shortly, I got a buzz on my phone with her name over it. I heaved a deep breath as I hid in the restroom text, a trick I'd learned back in residency when I literally did not have time to pee the whole day. See, supposedly, Julian's hyperpermeable vasculature allowed for insane heat exchange, but the extreme temperatures he could reach would denature most of the proteins in the human body. So either he wasn't made of normal protein, an evolutionary aberration that required far too many mutations at once to be statistically possible for life, or his body had a way to protect itself. Like the bombardier beetle. The bombardier could shoot acid from its rear but mix that butt explosion in chambers walled off from the rest of its sensitive parts. Similarly, some portions of Julian's body had to be sealed off from the tissues that released fire were vented off heat. I leaned back against the door of the stall with a slight growl. I imagined Blank speeding down the freeway as her phone buzzed out of control and I hoped I wasn't distracting. The urge to get in a car and chase after her She'd only left moments ago, after all. That drive to shove my way into the action and force myself onto its space? It was overwhelming. She'd mentioned a nemesis, an android, and something about vomiting blood, which could have meant my NSAID lead or trauma concerns. I didn't know which. I wanted to know, to see, to evaluate. That was how we got spots around the surgical table in medical school. You pushed. You went for the action. No. Stop. I held my ground and walked to my office, fidgeting as I battled my instincts for answers. A virus like chikungunya would infect blood vessel cell linings and other lining-type cells first before moving on to macrophages, liver, brain, and so on. From Blank's analysis, it sounded like Julian's specialized cells were those lining cells. A specialized blood vessel system would function as a hydraulic coolant, while cells somewhere along his skin and gut linings would secrete the compounds that burned, similar to the way skin and gut secreted sweat and gastric acids in normal humans. That made sense given where his fire came from, his mouth and his skin, and since protecting the rest of the body mattered, it was easier to seal off skin cells than, say, the liver. But the arbovirus lead basically meant julian got infected in his fire shooting cells if he'd lived this long without dying of a crippling infection from a weakened immune system most likely it meant his fire shooting lining cells usually purged all viruses best through their natural heat especially if they were sealed off some special way from the rest of the body but like the virus ibuprofen and other NSAIDs would attack those crucial lining cells making it easier for him to bleed through his blood vessels and gut, but also stopping his body's unique purge heating to kill the virus. So that's why his fever had refused to leave. In someone like Julian, ibuprofen wasn't a fever reducer, it was poison. So the best treatment for Julian was to do nothing. That'll be a tough sell to someone suffering from severe joint pain, I muttered head down as I texted and walked, now on route to the wards. I wonder if Pre Gablin would do anything for him. And Pre Gablin, of course, reminded me of Mrs. Benz, who still needed someone to fight the insurance company for her and of mister Lassiter, and within minutes my rapid firing mind settled back into its ordinary frantic routine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After about an hour and a half, blank's phone number popped up on my screen, glowing through the pocket of my slacks. I excused myself from Mr. Lassiter's hoarse, mumbled stories of past detective work with a soft smile. Thank you so much for your time and your story, sir. I have an emergency call, but I will catch up. Oh, that's fine, sonny, that's fine. The blue curtains fluttered behind me like wings as I slid past. We're coming to your clinic, ETA five minutes, Blank said. You need to be the only physician we see. Sure, I already routed you know, rounded on most of my inpatients. I'll be right there. I trotted to the stairs, Loafer's clicking a pleasant flamenco in rhythm with my joy. I'd waited for the call. I'd waited, and here came the reward. A glimpse of my stupid, mass produced smile on the stairway door chastised me. Then come back to my hospital because Blank thought she might not have the resources in her underground clinic. That meant something had gone wrong. This was not a cause to celebrate Heck. It could be that he needed an ER, but because he'd obtained some identifying injury, she'd swung this so I'd admit him directly from clinic. He might need blood. I didn't bother to ask my helpers for help. I threw in orders on my laptop, checked my watch, and ran to the blood bank myself. Normally, you had to get the patient's blood type before you could order blood. I didn't have his blood to type. Hey there, Cassie. Did you see the order I threw in for Julian Acevedo? I smiled with all my perfect teeth. Cassandra, the lab tech, knew me well from all my annoying requests for special labs. I left her cookies often as a thank you. "'There's no type in cross, Dr. Pfeiffer," she said. "'I know. He needs some of the O-negative emergency supply. I will absolutely write up whatever exception you need afterwards, but he needs it now.' She tilted her head, but she'd heard my patients gushing about me during her blood draws. She knew I took care of my own. I left with a cooler of two bags and one minute to spare.' At the desk of my clinic stood Dr. Blank with an extremely pale young man, his arms draped over her shoulder. I almost didn't recognize him. The secretary opened her mouth to say something, but I got in there first. Mrs. Leonardwood, this is my walk-in. I'm taking him in room 12. Did you get his insurance card? Blank shook her head and raised a severe eyebrow. Mrs. Leonardwood will take your insurance card afterwards, I said, for Mrs. Leonard be- benefit. Her name is hard to say. She threw her hands in the air behind us at my familiar shenanigans as I threw an arm under Julian's other shoulder and raced him into the nearest room. As soon as the door closed behind us, Julian's weight dropped as he collapsed. Whoa there, buddy. I caught him as blank snatched the cooler from my other arm. Gimme, she said, tearing into it. Oh, dang, okay. You thought ahead. Got all your texts, by the way, tracking. I'd wondered when she didn't answer. Should I do that while you... Blank shook her head. Years without backup, had left her quick with the wish list. Get a stat GI consult for endoscopy to close a gushing esophageal bleed. Right now, your ER is teeming with police because the villain's in there in critical condition. We need Julian's admission to come from your clinic so no one treats them both and puts two and two together. Critical condition? You almost killed a man? My heart rate started to soar. Self-defense, Julian croaked. Blood dribbled out the side of his mouth as his head lolled back with a smirk. His forearms flashed rosy red, second-degree burns as Blank rolled up his sleeve. She plunged the transfusion needle into his vein with the ease of a nurse, or at least of someone who'd practiced for years without one. Maybe she'd done a surgical residency, or... All this took seconds. I'd worry about the superhero ethics and possible endangerment of a minor later. I grabbed my laptop and dashed out of the room. The elevator at the end of the hall was closing. I skidded in on the tips of my loafers... In a hurry, Dr. Pfeiffer?" Dr. Sandman's familiar voice grated at my soul. I kept my head down towards the laptop as I cringed in the corner of the elevator, typing my gastroenterologist request with one hand. Not now, I begged in my mind. Not now. Pfeiffer? How long could I pretend I hadn't heard him? My phone buzzed with two sets of vitals from blank. Hypotensive was stable enough for procedure i had questions but didn't text back to distract her i would noticed the carrier for an ultrasound machine in the back of her jeep so i guess she'd probably rocked out a fast exam on the way here and found no internal hemorrhage whatever trauma julian sustained in his fight didn't compare to the damage his weakened gut lining took from the force of his own fire vomit after the virus and the NSAIDs the inside of his esophagus must have blown open during romeo "'Ah, how slow was this elevator?' "'I couldn't look up at the elevator floor indicator "'or we'd make eye contact. "'I listened to the dings. "'My floor opened to us. "'Saved!' "'Except his claw grabbed my arm as I walked by. "'Fifer!' "'I'm sorry, sir. "'I will be with you once I'm done fixing this urgent readmission "'for the patient you discharged behind my back.' "'I snapped, yanking myself away. "'For a minute, my tone of voice surprised him "'too much for him to respond, "'and in that moment the door had closed.' I smiled as I ran, my chest tickled by my own insubordination, my knuckles wrapped in rhythm on the green, plastic-looking door to the GI specialist's Office. She opened so quickly, her hoop earrings almost seemed they'd dangle off her face. Yes, Romeo? We worked together often. Hey, Jasmine. I just dropped a stat consult for you. Seventeen-year-old kid in my clinic, spinning up blood and volume down, and he's got a history concerning for severe upper GI bleed. I showed her the text with his vitals. This is in the last hour. Oh, dear, no. Have him transported into my endoscopy room. I'm on my way. Absolutely. The name's Julian Acevedo. Julian Acevedo. Got it. Thanks. When I got back down to my clinic patient room, I almost choked on my own heart. Mrs. Leonard Wood was standing outside room 12, holding the door open for Dr. Sandman. Uh. I trotted over, In the doorway blank stood with both hands in her pockets and feet wide apart, a tiny tank between us and her patient. Over her shoulder, we could see Julian receiving his blood transfusion. The serious grays turned on me. Not severe. No eyebrows raised, but still storm clouds. We didn't have any information about the Mallory Weiss hairs before Julian was discharged, ma'am. Dr. Sandman was excusing himself. Isn't that right, Dr. Pfeiffer? I blinked a blank, waiting for a cue. She spoke up. An underage binge drinker with an arbovirus taking ibuprofen, it's like a bad joke for a GI bleed. Is the gastroenterologist on the way? Uh, okay. Self, quick catch-up. Binge drinkers often got esophageal bleeds, so that was our cover story, apparently. Dr. Lane's on her way, I said. We gotta move him now. Blank and I both grabbed ends of the bed. Dr. Salmon stepped out of the way because we almost ran him over. Mrs. Lanerwood followed us like a chicken with her head cut off, squawking. His insurance card, an ID, and is he under eighteen? He can't be admitted without parental. Actually, it's an emergency. He's hypotensive and actively bleeding, so that doesn't matter. But I am about to call Mrs. Acevedo personally. I said she'll bring everything you need, Miss Wood, I promise. The elevator doors closed behind me. Finally, peace. I am glad they teach us to leave our stuff behind when we patrol. Julian patted Blank's wrist. My insurance card would be so burnt right now. Blank smiled back at him. To me? You call in Mrs. Acevedo like you said. I nodded, not super happy about her tone, but patience first, egos later. I took Julian's phone. His mother's number shone on the screen. Blank and Julian kept talking as it rang. I'm not sure I want my mom thinking I'm an alcoholic, Blank. Julian coughed. Better than her thinking you're fighting dudes to the death blank said. It's the only pathology that's similar, kiddo. You tore blood vessels in your throat, and it started after you strained really hard. Happens to guys vomiting too hard after they drink too much, and happens to fireboys on ibuprofen who vomit as hard as they can at their enemies. Hey, he coughed, speckling flecks of blood across her sleeve as his face withered. I had to, blank. Had to max out my firepower to max past his uber-metal ultimate move. It was the only way. I'm not saying you did wrong she said. "'No, that you said before the fight,' he muttered. "'I never said you were wrong. I said if you took this fight, you could bleed out and die, and you ignored me, and I was right,' she tousled his hair. "'And you saved the entire planet today. "'You understand?' He nodded, and the tension across his entire body finally relaxed. He stopped gripping his chest, his biceps stopped flexing, fists stopped pushing into the bed under him, and he wheeled. As we wheeled him off the elevator into the GI procedure room, Julian closed his eyes with the most peaceful smile I've ever seen. The gastroenterologist commented to me later that the inside of his esophagus looked like that of a much more advanced-in-age alcoholic, but she had no trouble stopping the bleed, and thanks to the early blood transfusion, Julian remained stable for the entire ordeal. Mm -hmm. Blank met me again that night on the roof of the parking garage as I finished my rounds. Her hair and jacket flapped in the wind around her, movable stone stance like a flag on a pole. It was cold, and I clutched my elbows as the warm hospital doors closed behind me. Your comment to Dr. Sandman almost killed a superhero today, Blank said. Hello to you, too, Dr. Blank, I bristled. When you told Sandman you were busy fixing his discharge error, she said. My cheeks flushed. I don't think it caused any real delay in Julian's care, I began. Blank crossed her arms. I'm not talking about the person. I'm talking about the hero, she said. If Julian's identity comes out, the superhero Fuegon dies. Someone could come after his mom. He could go to jail, even though he was literally the only person on the planet who could save us yesterday. She shook her head. "'I know your boss pisses you off, but you've got to control your tongue. I told you the villain was currently being treated in your ER, asked you to limit other provider involvement, and yet you told your department chief we'd returned. You don't see how that timing could have looked suspicious?' I tilted my head at her, then looked away towards my red-roofed house. I'd already gotten a lecture from Dr. Sandman today about professionalism for that comment. My gut broiled. But my brain maintained control. How do I fix my mistake? I asked. She waved her wrist and the wrinkles round her mouth softened. It's okay. They believe my story. Just for next time. Next time. That comforted me. So who does Dr. Sandman think you are? I asked. I'm a rural physician who donates her free time to and Julian in the Big Brother Big Sister program, she grinned. Just trying to keep him out of juvie? Doctors eat up those stereotypes, you know that. Hmm. I grunted, pulling out my box of cancer sticks now. I said I noticed Julian coughing blood during a mentorship session today, she went on, and I happen to know he has an alcohol problem. Those teens and their peer pressure, you know, she winked. I asked him some questions. He began to go downhill, and so I brought him urgently back to you for that blood transfusion. Good story, I said. Not trying to suck up. Please do, she said. Yes, ma'am. I smiled, not trying to suck up, but giving thus the diagnosis of a Mallory Weiss tear? That was genius. Like I told Julian, that's the closest thing to the truth. Whether it's alcohol or fighting a guy with his vomit, he hurled violently and his already weakened lining tore, she said. She coughed a bit, batting at my cigarette smoke with her hand. I turned my back to send my sin downwind. Anything else I could have done better? I asked over my shoulder. She nodded. His temperature when he was initially hospitalized, how many times did you get a reading over 60 Celsius? Every time. But you dismissed it as machine error every single time. Well, because it's impossible. Even though you tried it across multiple machines, multiple nurses, got the same reading over and over again. Mm, Yes. So your impossible isn't determined by empirical observation. I looked back at her i guess not that's what halts scientific discovery she plucked my cigarette out of my mouth and tossed it off the building that and brilliant people dying early i stepped back from her ways and lit up again raising my hand between us i've got a thing with personal space i told her my eyes on the flame of my lighter so i wouldn't have to talk to her face please don't do that again she stared that thousand-yard stare for a moment and then nodded in assent sorry then teasing but then you don't get called brilliant again, either. All that med school knucklehead, and you still smoking? I laughed. Seriously, though, Pfeiffer, Blank went on, it's not just that you got us the specialists and the resources. The way you pieced together the puzzle, those texts about non-interference in the body, that was good. Poetic stuff, good. If Julian had listened instead of charging off into the fight, just cutting out the ibuprofen and forcing him to rest would probably have turned the whole thing around. He's got no fever right now, right? None, I said. There you go. She slapped the cement balcony. So that'll be the plan long term. See you at his follow-up. And with that, she opened her palm to reveal a faint glowing orb, slapped it, and disappeared. I've got to ask her about that teleportation thing, I muttered. The parking garage didn't answer me. It was time to go home to my video games. <laughs> The breeze in the park glowed with a hefty sprinkling of fireflies and carried with it the sporadic thumping of somebody's distant dance party. The soft crunch of my loafers on the grassy gravel sent pleasant tingles across my scalp. Blank stood, arms crossed by a green metal park bench. "'Too good to sit, doctor?' I asked her. She grunted and shook her head, motioning with her eyes towards the shadowed path beyond us. A hooded figure, lanky but muscular even through his sweatshirt, jogged over to us, the boastful flame painted across his chest almost sparkled under the streetlight. Hey there, Julian. It's good to see you again. I shook his hand and pointed towards his shirt. That's not risky? Man, it's risky if I don't have a fire symbol on me, the teenager laughed. All my friends are way into Fuegon. It would be weird if I wasn't cool with him, too. How you feeling? Blank asked. Julian shrugged. Knees still hurt. Fear's gone, though. It's been gone, along with all that tiredness. You were right about doing nothing, I guess. He nodded towards me with a wry glint in his eyes. It was hard to fight Mama off, let me tell you. She wanted me to take medicine every second of the day. Well, your results came back negative for chikungunya, I said. But false negatives happen, especially in someone like yourself with an altered immune response. So since my joints still hurt, I probably do have the inflammation from the virus still, he said and might for a year. Blank punched him in the arm with a dry smile. Someone's doing their homework. She added something else in Spanish that I didn't understand, and then their conversation took off running. I glanced around us while they talked. The water fountain gurgled, bubbles cascading from the mouth of a breaching fist. Fish? Not a fist. It was a fish, in that eternal vomit. Someone touched me, I startled, stealing myself against the urge to punch the fire starter as he tugged my arm like we were buddies. So what do I do for the... He paused. Old people joints. Can you get pregabalin? I asked Blank. Even though that's usually for neuropathies and post-viral pain, it's actually a decent non-opioid option. I was going to recommend marijuana, actually, Blank shrugged. Eaton. She sent me a pointed glance. Only idiots and hippies smoke. Man, my mom would kill me. Julian laughed. I fidgeted, not quite sure if Blank meant it or not. Yeah, I know. You can come down next week for acupuncture, and I'll get you some Biofreeze. Blank said, "You're n- you're on rooftops too much to be taking anything altering, legal or otherwise." Yes, ma'am. Julian said, "I can still do what I do." Good. Blank turned the steel eyes on me again. Doctor Pfeiffer, can you see a outpatient to get knee arthrocentesis? "'I still want to check the cells in your joints, Julian, "'and don't have those kind of capabilities in my lab.' "'Not your sci-fi spaceship-looking room?' I asked. "'Nope. I can do a therapeutic joint injection, "'but I don't have most of the resources you got access to, "'so I need you to keep your job.' "'She sighed, scanning the park around us. "'A skateboarder tripped on his shoelaces. "'Running a low-budget clinic in a bunker ain't always enough.' "'Julian glanced at his watch.' Doody calls, he said. Dr. Pfeiffer, I'll call your secretary to get scheduled. I saluted with two hands by my forehead, and he was off, jogging back the same way he came. Dr. Blank chewed the end of a honeysuckle, staring after him. You know what's funny about taking the patient history, she said, the social history. People always skimp on that. I didn't know what she meant, so I didn't say anything. The joint pain and fever started right after he gave evidence to the police that got a prominent biomedical scientist arrested. "'Did you know that?' she said. Not really asking, because of course I didn't. Of course he didn't know the guy was a scientist at the time. He just saw Creep doing creep stuff, stopped it, and brought in the recordings. I narrowed my eyes. "'What are you saying?' I've got a patient who can shrink down small enough to enter the human body if he wants, Blank said. I've seen nanotech cars, tiny weapons, crazy stuff. Are you? I don't follow. Are you considering bioterrorism? I asked. Like someone destroying Julian's joints on purpose? Right now he's got full function and range of motion. Mm Mm-hmm, Blank nodded. And he's still in pain. "'Pain makes a difference when you're fighting all the time, "'and a virus that specifically invades his fire-shooting cells first "'doesn't show positive on titers? "'That would be convenient.' "'She started to walk away from the bench toward the shadowed promenade "'and the parking lot beyond it. "'In the name of walking her to her car, I kept up. "'His illness wasn't that dramatic, though,' I said. "'Even better,' she said. "'She dropped the honeysuckle twig and crushed it underfoot, "'releasing its soft, sweet fragrance behind her. "'I don't know. It's entirely possible he just had a different arthralgic virus. We fixed it, and now it's over. I'll admit to being a paranoid old woman. Just see what you find in his knee goo, will you, short stuff? They're going to be pissed at another unnecessary test, I said. Justify it with the chronic joint pain not improved by standard treatment. Think of something, she shrugged. I whistled through my teeth. This was more than chasing zebras. This was like chasing two-headed zebras with pegasus wings. I imagined confronting my department head. You think I've got unprofessional shenanigans now? Wait till I start accusing people of sending nanomonsters into my patient's joints. I laughed out loud. Dr. Blank acted like she didn't notice, and I shook my head and held her car door for her. The rough plastic handle felt moist in the dewy night air. My dreary hospital seemed a million miles away, even though I could see the impatient tower rising above the distant treetops of the park in the moonlight. I still wanted to quit, but this bit of rebellion, this little insanity, would hold me over for a while. If I needed, I could get orthopedics and sports medicine involved in Julian's case too, which Blank couldn't do since she worked full time in an ostensibly imaginary job with no other physicians. And maybe we could consider other advanced imaging. That, hey, Blank's gravelly voice pulled me out of my head. I know you want my job, and your job sucks. Thanks for helping plug my guys into the system without blowing their cover. Sure thing, not a problem. I said, thank you. And I smiled. Because guy is plural, implied my time as a superhero physician, had just begun. The end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Healer to the Heroes Apprenticeship. I will be releasing an episode every month fully researched from my experience as a physician and from the imagination of a science fiction author. Every episode will be released a month in advance on my Patreon at patreon.com slash becoming hero. So if you'd like to get in on the ground floor here at first and get exclusive access to the written script version, please consider joining. For only $5 a month, you get access to my complete library. That's lifetime access worth over $200. Plus, you'll get a $17 audiobook right away for free for signing up, as well as a number of other free things. Like I said, that's over $200 right now of free books, plus, every single month, a new recording, and every single month, a new written story. It's a pretty good deal, I think. And, Any and all proceeds from patreon.com slash becoming hero go back into helping pay artists and into saving up for my jungle clinic where I would like to help people that I consider heroes in South America, in Paraguay. My jungle clinic start date will be 2023, so I only have a couple years to save up as much as I can so that we can help people who don't have access to medical care. So please consider joining my Patreon and getting your episode of Healer to the Hero's Apprenticeship a month before everyone else. Thank you very much for listening, and please have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.